Today's episode of the Film State Show is brought to you by Movie, the curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show that we review podcast at filmstage.com as always i am your host brian j rowan with me today we have michael snydell hello and a special guest to help us talk about the new hulu original film palm springs streaming now it's andrew Crump. hello everybody what is up not much would you uh, like to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners I think I can do that. As as has been said, my name is Andy Crump. I'm a movie critic, culture critic, and uh, gosh, I would list off all my outlets, but it might be easier to talk about the ones that I haven't written for, like the Boston Globe and the New York Times. That's basically <laughs> it. Everything, everything else, I've, I've got bylines. So, so, I, I pr- so, so I primarily write for Pace Magazine in the playlist, Polygon, uh, you know, all the P ones, and <laughs> Mike.com. Playboy? No, never got a pitch in there. So no. that's another one I should have listed first. So, yeah, well, that's that's so, three. Something to aspire to. That's right. And as I said, we are here today to talk about Palm Springs, a uh, film from Max Barbacow. This film stars Andy Sayerberg and Kristen Malati. Before we get into that, all the usual stuff, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Pop us an email, podcastfilmstage.com. And, of course, give it a comment and a rating on iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron of this show, go to patreon.com slash show. where for as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel and first crack at all of the Film Stage's movie-related raffle items. And, of course, we are brought to you by Mubi, the curated online streaming service where every day Mubi premieres a brand new film. And Ren, whether it is a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to be either a movie that you've been dying to see, or something that you're bound to love. It's a hand-curated human selection in an algorithm-driven world. A bunch of great stuff is on there. Ganja and Hess, from Bill Gunn, in 1973 film, as part of their Double Bill series, uh, alongside Personal Problems. And, of course, last week we talked about Transit, which was one of our favorite films of the year that it came out, as well as a bunch of other stuff in their library section. We also have Hyenas by film stage show favorite Jabril Mbete, and a bunch of other amazing films, like the entirety of Out One. So You only have a few more days to uh, – that's in eight uh, episodes, but I will say I'm already eyeing that because it's – each episode's about 199 minutes. So <laughs> set aside some time for that one, guys. Maybe you should hop on that, Snydell. <laughs> I'm sorry? You should hop on that if you've been eyeing it because it is approaching its window. I've seen the first hour. That still probably isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, uh, also coming close to leaving is uh, Sex and Lucia from 2001. So if you would like a ooh. free 30-day trial of movie to understand why it is one of our favorite streaming services, all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, it is mubi.com slash 
film stage. And that's that. Uh, before we get into everything, quarantine updates. Andrew Crump, you have uh, you've been you have not been on the podcast yet. Before uh, we do a brief update about how we're doing the whole coronavirus situation. So, uh, how has your five months in hell been? <laughs> well, that about sounds. So like. I have. <laughs> I have, yeah, exactly. That one breath just contains <laughs> multitudes. I have a one-year-old daughter, so you know that's that's been I, I that's been the bright spot, but also the dark spot because we can't go to the parents' group, we can't see family, we can't see friends. So it's really like me and her, and I think we're both starting to drive each other crazy. <laughs> Um, my wife is working from home and I'm the stay at home parent. So she gets to see baby more. So that's really good. Uh, but because we can't do one thing at a time and we can only, we can't take on just one challenge at a time, we're renovating our house. So we're staying in an apartment. Oh, no. So yeah. We were when did you decide to, have... to do that? Well, yes, this... I have questions. <laughs> so, so I have answers. So we we started this project in 2019. We started getting it underway, like the planning. We were going to start in, you know, mid-March. And then the fucking pandemic happened. <laughs> and we thought, we're going to put this on hold. And then over time, we, re- we felt like we were safe enough to start doing it in June. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay yeah so the, the good news i guess is that we don't really we don't have a whole lot of people in our lives who um have contracted the the illness the the virus by that i mean none except for my 97 year old grandmother who is so pissed about it that i think she managed to she's furious she's so mad about it that i think she's scared the virus out of her body because her second test came back negative <laughs> Through sheer ire, she was able to force it out. Yeah, no, she's she's yeah, she's amazing. Her fury raised her internal body temperature enough that it killed it. Yeah, I think that might be the secret. Just everybody. Well, you know what? Maybe not because everyone in America is pissed off enough as it is, (laughs) and and we're still just you know cases are still just going up. So who knows? It's just don't don't mess with really old Southern women. They they will not they will not put put up with you you virus. She looked that virus dead in the eyes, said "Bless your heart," and the virus just ran. The, the virus was like, "Oh shit. shit, we fucked up. What have I done?" <laughs> so yeah. That's... Other than that, watching movies when I can, keeping my sanity. Yeah, as a as a parent in quarantine, it's, it's so my daughter's four, and. Only recently has it started to become a thing that I've had to address with her. Because, like, we didn't go out a lot to begin with. We'd go to, like, the park sometimes. We'd go, uh, I don't know, like, shopping every now and then. You know, we'd go and see, like, her friends. But, like, she wasn't in school yet. You know, in fact, she was right about to start when I was like, uh, let's not. Let's not right now. Let's see how the (laughs) pandemic pans out. Um, but she has recently begun watching the magic school bus a lot and 
So she's begun to pretend that she's going to school and asking me when she's going to go to school and really wanting to go to school. And I'm like, you know, there's two big disappointments that are coming for you. One, I don't know when you're going to be able to go to school. Two, you're not going to be on a magic school bus when you do. <laughs> How does the coronavirus human body episode uh, age? Uh, actually, so there is one called Ralphie Gets Sick. I, or, I remember this exact one. Yeah, and that is one of her favorite ones. And so I don't know if that's some sort of subconscious thing. I don't know that she's aware that the world is on fire. She knows that masks are a thing that we need to wear when we when we go somewhere public. But I don't really I never usually took her anywhere public if I could handle it anyway, because it's easier to go grocery shopping when you don't have a four year old asking you to buy things. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Uh, so, it's yeah, it's rough. Um, and I'm working from home full time. And I just worry that if I ever have to go back to the office, she's going to have the most extreme separation anxiety mm. of her entire life. Um as for me, uh, still bottling hand sanitizer at the distillery, still still working my ass off, very tired all the time. I will say that um, this so literally like, I don't know, uh, nine hours ago, I uh, had my divorce hearing and it was all done over the phone. And it was just, I guess it was nice because like I didn't have to go anywhere or dress up or like wait in a room. Like it was very, very, very easy to do but it was super anticlimactic and it's one of those things that you just don't think about when everything's on lockdown and uh it makes me wonder why people like why why lower tier court things like that can't be done over the phone to begin with like traffic tickets or jaywalking you know the type of stuff where like someone can't show up because they didn't get the bus and then they get a bench warrant for their arrest so that is one of the things where i kind of hope that this whole situation allows us to think about things like that in a new way. Because it feels like if you can make it happen now for the dissolution of a marriage, then someone who got pulled over for not having their tags updated could benefit from this as well. You would think so, but there isn't enough bureaucracy in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> America wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> that is 100% true. Um it was the world would shut down. Uh, Michael Snydell, how about you? How are you doing? Um, yeah. So against my better judgment, I saw my mom for the first time in seven months this past weekend. She came to pick me up in the city uh, after I had asked her many, many questions about who she had seen, how close they were, and what mask she was wearing in at various points. And yeah, me and my uh, yeah, my girlfriend, we stayed almost the whole weekend in it's she lives in a suburb called Plainfield. And there aren't mobs of people who are inconsiderate all the time, like in Chicago. And it was very confusing. And we could be outside. And it was, again, very confusing. And now that I'm back in the city, I feel like I can't go outside again. <laughs> so it was, it was a nice respite that uh, I, for some reason I was hoping it would let me ease into other things. But I don't think that's the case. But I did get some new clothes. So I am not quite as worried about that. 
<laughs> well, that's good. There you go. I do want to say, like, I'm like I, the quarantine fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I went to Costco the other day. And I even tweeted about it. I was just like, I'm going to Costco. I just had to pick up some pull-ups for my daughter. And I think I bought like a gallon of milk or like seven gallons of milk. I don't know how big their milk containers are. But um, everyone was wearing a mask. Everyone was totally polite to one another. I don't know if you've ever been to a Costco, but it's like the UN. There's just so many different people <laughs> and colors and languages. And everyone was cool. And there were no problems. And oh, so no. if you are constantly watching the news or Twitter, I just want you to know that society is, I believe, generally functional. <laughs> most places. <laughs> most places. You know, funny enough, the most functional places that I've been to are breweries. So huh. that says something. I mean, I work in a distillery and we're pretty functional, but it's literally me and one other guy. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, and yeah, while, while I bring it up, if anyone would like to uh, give to our fundraiser to help us give out uh, sanitizers to the community, all you got to do is go to schmidtspirits.com, S-H-M-I-D-T spirits.com, and look for the link. Um, but yeah, that's that. It's a good, good little COVID update we had. Uh, now we can get into our feature review, which again is of the movie Palm Springs, which is currently streaming on Hulu right now. Uh, movies directed by Max Barbacow, written by Andy Ciara, and stars Andy Samberg and Kristen Milotti, amongst a bevy of other fine actors who I'm sure we will talk about. And here is the trailer. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. All right, that was the trailer for Palm Springs. Again, out on Hulu now. We will begin, as always, with our uh, spoiler-free thoughts on the movie, and then move into a spoiler section I will say that the less you know about this movie going into it, the better. Uh, and that's about it. Um, as far as a uh, synopsis for it, I will feel confident in saying that it is a Groundhog Day scenario grafted on top of a destination wedding. That's what I feel good with. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So let, let us begin. Oh, I forgot the joke I was going to do. I, I was totally going to pretend like Groundhog Day didn't exist and just talk about Daybreak. The uh, ABC, <laughs> the ABC thing. Oh man, that, that bit would resonate with uh, like uh, I, I was going to say a sixteenth of the audience, but that's too much. Only because I have seeded into this series, this podcast, my love of the like mid two thousands one season wonders. 
like flash forward daybreak and drive um yeah ah oh, shit well you know it's too late but i got to talk about daybreak anyway tay Diggs, <laughs> check it out um so All yeah right. let's, let's let's talk about palm springs <laughs> uh crump what were your general spoiler free thoughts on palm springs well i so i liked this movie um I I am a longtime Andy Samberg fan. I think he is a terrific actor, a terrific comic actor. I think the Lonely Islands brand, because this is really a Lonely Island movie, even though it's directed by Mark uh, Max Barbacow and Andy Ciara. Um, I like their I like their their brand of comedy, and honestly, I really kind of like time loop movies i like people living the same day over and over again and this might be both like a very good and very bad uh covid 19 movie for that exact reason (laughs) because you know well you figure it out um no i thought this was i thought this was wonderful um i i will say that i'm glad that i did not see it at sundance i'm glad that i got to see it on its own terms because i don't know if i would have the same feelings for it that I do having kind of seen it lying on my couch on my birthday while everyone else was napping. And I have an hour and a half to myself to watch this movie. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe seeing it in, uh, at the festival would have kind of tainted it for me. I don't know, but no, I think it's a wonderful little comedy. I think it's a, a burst of, caustic sunshine at a moment when <laughs> people could probably use that uh yeah really good yeah this is caustic sunshine <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, that's what trump wanted to make us swallow in order to get rid of the coronavirus right oh, yeah you just got really just let a, just let the light in oh my god anyways <laughs> <laughs> is Worst that trump as like a faith healing <laughs> sex criminal <laughs> Oh, uh, but where's the lie? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, uh, Jesus. Um, oh, I will say, yeah. It, it like as I was watching the movie, and like you know, they do like the seventh time waking up in the same day. I'm like, I don't know if this is what we need in a COVID era. But at the same time, <laughs> um, maybe we don't need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, do I need to see someone who's trapped in a single place, living the same day over and over again? <laughs> Michael Snydell, what are your thoughts on Palm Springs? Yeah, you know, I I thought this was I thought this was fine. Um, I'm gonna say that I really like the cast. Uh, I've been waiting for Krista Melody to uh, not have a movie screw her over since uh, How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> and I, I I think that she's. I, I think that she has uh, a good comic energy. She has good chemistry with Samberg. I, I like Samberg a uh, decent amount, whether he's in Lonely Island mode or whether he's in kind of this, uh, you know, um, kind of like uh, overgrown teenager dork mode. Uh, this is kind of somewhere in the middle. Like It's, it's a little edgier. Than you know something like Brooklyn Nine Nine, for instance. Um, yeah, I guess what I'm saying, uh, what I'd say about it though, is that some of the jokes worked better than some of the dramatic arcs for me. And I think, in particular, one character 
feels a lot more developed than the other. And I mean, I'm kind of beyond like being able to talk about this movie. I'm kind of glad to talk about this because, you know, beyond there's been a lot of there's a lot of time <laughs> movies at this point, you know, you, going back, um, you know, not only. Uh, right, not you've only, got you know, kissing booth. Years, you've got. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even things like. Uh, oh, wait, you not know, kissing you booth. This... That's the what's the what's the shitty one with the guy from Workaholics? Oh, time time uh, <laughs> premature? No, that's not it. Um, Clearly, it made a great culture one day. With the guy from Workaholics, that seems so specific, and yet I don't even know. It's like the it's like the the night we met, or how we first met, or something like that. No, I I know exactly what you're talking about, which makes me sad. Um, I'm looking it up okay, because but, now it's going to live in my brain. When we first met. <laughs> okay. But otherwise, what I'd say is I I mention all the history of it because we have such a spectrum of tones and genres at this point. You know, everything from thrillers to mysteries to romantic uh, comedies to straight romances. And um, I, I think the thing about this is it brings me to sometimes the problem I have with uh, with romance and comedy romance in the sense that I feel like it uses the time loop conceit for some shortcuts in pushing a relationship forward. And I, I kind of want the opportunity to talk about that. And this in particular, I think feels a little more frustrated than even something like uh, before we fall, which which falls into a little bit of a, a similar issue, um, in part because I kind of think this is missing an act. So I I found this fun and you know kind of sweet, and I I like the cast, but I just didn't quite think that the material uh, matched the cast. Interesting. Hmm. I um. I really love this movie. Uh, love might be a strong word. I don't know. It's it's hard to know how I'm responding to certain things nowadays. Um, I know that uh, in the course of watching this movie, which clocks in at a brisk and uh, I think you know well suited ninety minutes, that um, I had a great time. I was I was laying on my couch. I was uh here at home. I had put my daughter to bed. And I uh, had some potato chips, and I watched Palm Springs, and afterwards I was like, oh, that was really good. I gotta tell people to watch this. Um, I, there, there are aspects of it that I think are well done, and are things that I am shocked that I haven't really seen done in time loop movies before. Um, mm. it, it, we'll have to talk about it when I get spoilers. Um, it'll probably be the first thing we talk about because it's necessary yes. to talk about the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, I like Andy Samberg when I like Andy Samberg and when I don't like Andy Samberg, I hate Andy Samberg. Um, is it because of him or the material? I don't know. That's a very good question. Like I, I hated hot rod. Okay. Um, but I really enjoyed this and I like him episode to episode in Brooklyn nine, nine. I would say like it's an 80% hit ratio. So like, that's good for him. Um, and I, I like I liked all the Lonely Island sketches, uh, so that's interesting. I I like when he, I kind of like when he's a high status character 
who acts like a low status character and whenever i whenever he's made actually low status i feel like i don't believe it i think because of him <laughs> and the way that he is i think that despite his goofiness he has an inherent charming charisma that if he tries to deny it it just doesn't come off well um it's like false humility or something i love Kristen melotti uh from uh, 30 rock and how i met your mother um the the last season of how i met your mother is a strange beast and i think that what is good about it primarily comes from her yeah um there's particularly an episode that is purely focused on her that i think is one of the best that the show produced um clearly one of these days when i i don't know when the next pandemic hits and i'm stuck at home and have nothing else to do i'll just have to do like a a whole how i met your mother rewatch plus podcast to go through it all because i have, have to will you <laughs> have to well first we got to do our oc <laughs> podcast michael I'm I'm still good for that, Brent. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't think you understand. <laughs> um, it's on HBO Max, right? It's on HBO Max. It's on. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's another reason to get HBO Max. Um, I guess. Uh, yeah, and then just you know you've got you've got great people in this. Tyrell Hoechlin's in it. Uh, you got Peter Gallagher, J.K. Simmons, Peter Gallagher talking about the OC. Yes. There you go. Yep. That's right. It is ordained. It must happen. Uh, but yeah, so I love, I, I really like all the characters and the actors who play them. I, I thought that the movie was quite charming and funny and, you know, clever. And it keeps twisting, but not in t- ways that are too absurd to handle. That there was one moment when I was like, are we just never going to discuss that again? And I was so happy when a character <laughs> brought it up towards the end. So that was good. Uh, but generally, I think this movie made me think of um, the one I love, mm. which is oh yeah 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 which which is a great film uh, with Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Um, what was that, Charlie McDowell? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, I mean, there part of me was like, is it just because it's like a, a lone California estate with a pool and two people, and it's kind of weird and sci-fi? Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. There's something about that like isolated sci-fi conceit that helps people come to understand one another better that I really like. And as I like that movie, so do I like this movie. And I think that uh, you, anyone that I know would be well served at least attempting to watch this and then, you know, turn it off if you don't like it. But I can't think of anyone in my life who I would say overtly should not see this movie and would not like it. Would you recommend this to your mom? I think so. I think she would get a kick out of it. My mother, my mother surprises me. Okay. So like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, would you recommend it to your mom? Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, if it's not, it's a wonderful life or Casablanca, you know, something black and white. Like I remember if you recall, Michael, I saw in theaters, Wolf of Wall Street with my mother and she loved it. So (laughs) who's to say what she's going to really enjoy or not? To be fair, I had this very recently when my mom said that she really loved Roadhouse, but also (laughs) the last thing that she recommended was uh, some movie with Rob Lowe and Elephants. Oh, the Uh, Netflix elephant Christmas movie? Holiday in the Wild. Yep. (laughs) So, So my mom, I don't I don't have a sense. She also likes period pieces 
thought Little Women was tremendously boring, but also really liked Trumbo. Tumbo? No, Trumbo. Yeah, Trumbo. Trumbo. Yeah, with with Brian Cranston. Oh my god. Well, that's like so. Andy, I was confused too. So ever Trumbo, since Trumbo, that's that's a that's a name I haven't heard in an age. <laughs> Just you with your Ben Kenobi thousand yard stare. Uh, he's writing in a bathtub, man. Um, that's all I know about that movie. That's all you need to know. Oh, yeah. the other thing you need to know is that the dude who directed Austin Powers made it. So, oh, well, yeah, that is definitely you. a thing. Yeah. Um. What was I going to say? Yeah, like it, one of my favorite things about screener season now is watching insane movies with my parents while I'm there for Christmas break and getting to clock their reaction to them. So like my mother hated the favorite with a fury that I've never seen before. She said the director should be put to death. Your mother and I would get along very well. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, you want to summarily execute Love Yorgos it. Lanthimos?" <laughs> like, if at it the was... very least, at the very least, I think he should be tried before the Hague. But well, you know, <laughs> if it was, I if mean, it... killing a sacred deer is really bad, right? If we, it was we killing a sacred deer, I could get it. But the favorite I thought was really good, and then she loved 1917, uh, but she <sighs> okay. hated Little Women. So I don't know. Okay, maybe your mom and I wouldn't get along so well, but. <laughs> This is it. This is what I'm saying. You can't pin her down. You think you got her figured out, and then she jukes. Then she zigs. She zigs when you expect her to zag. Yeah. What I, was her roadhouse equivalent? <laughs> what, what was her roadhouse equivalent? Um, I don't know. Because the other great thing about her is is she's that particular type of woman who who enjoys movies but doesn't care about them so much that she'll say, "I'll say, Ma, did you ever see like Face Off?" And she's, if I did, it was so long ago, I can't remember and I could watch it again and I, it would be new to me. So like, I don't think that she would retain anything that would let her know that. I think she likes Top Gun, but everybody loves Top well, Gun. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's like saying people, you know, she's, she enjoys oxygen. Right. She's an American. Just, she likes Top Gun. Yeah. yeah. But that's Americana. She likes the smell of yeah, a grill basically. on the 4th of July. Precisely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, how did we get on this? Oh yeah, Michael asked if I would recommend this movie to my mother. Um, yeah. Uh, my favorite. Uh, just another. I. I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but like my favorite thing my mother ever did, movie related, was again during that Wolf of Wall Street screening when I was laughing at something and she turned to me and said, "I know why I'm laughing. Why are you laughing?" <laughs> <laughs> so watching watching Wolf of Wall Street with my mother is maybe my idea of hell. So I will never do that. And I watched Dogma with my 97-year-old grandmother, who I was just talking about. <laughs> who hated the she coronavirus to death. She, she, she hated it right out of her body. She wasn't 97 when we watched Dogma, of course, but that was the most awkward viewing experience I've ever had. So I, I will it. skip. I'll skip. Well, skip Wolf of Wall Street with my mom. I just I said, Ma, I'm going to go see Wolf of Wall Street. And she said, oh, I want to see that. And I looked at her and said, are you <laughs> sure? And she said, Brian, I grew up in the 70s. And I was like, OK. I think she even said, I liked Scorsese when he was on cocaine. Uh, <laughs> so okay, anyway. your, mom, your mom, your mom rules. Yeah, she's that particular kinds of Queens, New York, Italian that you're just like, all right, man, let's just do this. Um, Indeed, so, my brain is broken, and when you said dogma, I thought you said dogville. 
That would have been less <laughs> awkward. <laughs> That's the kind of movie I feel like if I watched that movie with my mother, it would have she would have hated it up until the point and I guess spoilers for Dogville, she would have hated it to the point that the men with Tommy guns murdered the town. She did she at that point definitely would have said, Good, they deserve it. <laughs> And then she would have said that Lars von Trier should be put to death. <laughs> she hated La La Land too, so I don't know what you feel about that movie, Crump. But uh, which movie? Well, I think it was La La Land. Oh, I didn't like La La Land. At she all, said so. it was a movie that was trying to be a movie. I was like, that is yeah, the most pretty much it. trenchant piece of criticism I've ever heard. That's like that's, another that's latter the... day Lars von Trier. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Anyway, uh so yeah, uh we've clearly gotten off topic, um, which is not something that we ever do. Is that's, there... that's called that's called we're recording a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um is there anything else that we want to say about this in the non-spoiler section? Eclectic soundtrack that I did not expect. <laughs> it's it's hard to talk about this movie without spoilers. Yeah, so I said my I said my piece. Yeah, I, it's good. It's free if you got Hulu, and uh, you should watch it. There you go. Uh, so let's talk and it, about. And it's most of all, it's ninety minutes. That's it is like, ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's the magic word. Though I will say, yep. um, you know, Michael Snydell, your mother recommended Holiday in the Wild. That's only an hour and twenty five minutes. So oh, oh, she's mm. got a beat. Oh no. And it stars Kristen Davis and Rob Lowe. So uh, for anyone who's a fan of Parks and Rec or Sex and the City, like maybe this is going to make a decision for you. Oh, legitimately, I will probably watch that because it looks cute. But it was it was just a hilarious <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> Mother of God. All right. Uh, so let's let's just. Uh, ooh, OK, uh, let's just go and talk about spoilers <laughs> for Palm Springs uh, starting right now. So. <clears throat> Did anyone suspect immediately that Andy Samberg's character, whose name is Niles, um, was already in the loop when we first meet him? Yes. Like, how soon did you expect that? Um, it started really... Honestly, it started when he was... When Andy Sam- Samberg finishes fucking Meredith Hagner. Just, just the the way, like the the sheer like weight that he puts behind telling her, like talking about how old he is, just sounded suspicious to me. And then, of course, when he gets on the dance floor and is perfectly ducking and weaving around everybody, I yeah. think that's when it's like <laughs> in, indisputable that he is already in the time loop. Yeah, I which, uh, I, I picked up yeah. on it on the dance floor thing. I was like, oh, this dude's already in the loop. Yep. He's in the loop. And, and I I just love I love that invention. And I guess maybe an invention is a strong way to describe it, but most most of these movies were with the people right before they get caught in the time loop. Exactly. And this is it's really nice. And of like I guess technically the movie doesn't totally like get away from that because, you know, Sarah, played by Kristen Milioti, um is the character who is going to get caught in the time loop. But it's nice that it starts off with the time loop already in process. I think that's like a nifty little, I I don't want to call it a twist because I think that's really stupid, but it's a nice, it's a nice change. It's a nice like shift in how these movies normally uh, are structured. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> I think that Groundhog Day in his initial conception was supposed to start with him already in the time loop. Mm. And so to me, it was it was nice to see a movie finally deliver on that. And I'm sure someone will tweet at me with an example of a movie that I haven't heard where it happens. But I mean, it was just it was nice to see that, like, you think, you know, this character and that he's just like, you know, this guy who's like, oh, he's so bored with his super hot girlfriend and all this stuff. And then you realize, like, maybe that's the product of him having been living this single day for. And I love the fact that he has no idea how long he's been doing it. But it is long yeah. enough that he no longer remembers most of the details about his actual life. His job, oh, so for instance, it's it's a million it's a million times. That's that's what the uh, the banner, the birthday banner that Sarah drops for him says: "Happy millionth <laughs> birthday, dipshit!" dipshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh I th- man. I think um, too. Like uh, when you when you think about like the precipitating. Uh, or, or not conflict, but the the thing that kind of starts a lot of these time loop movies. You know, it's like it's usually an accident. It's you know, it's um, someone literally accidentally getting into a time machine. You know, like it, it really does. You know, uh, prepare you. And and I think what is especially unique about not only the fact that we start here is it gets you into the rhythm immediately. Like this is th- this movie is. Is almost a, a lazy river <laughs> in the sense of, uh, I, you know what? I say this as I'm looking at the top banner, so <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I, I'm gonna amend that statement. But this this movie has such an immediate, um, it, it has such an immediate rhythm in you know with Sandberg drinking the beer, handing it to someone else, and it is like you know Sandberg is also convincing enough that I could believe that he could juke and do a choreographed dance without <laughs> him being in a time loop. <laughs> yeah, because you just think like, oh, this guy, like, it's it's an interesting way to show just how much control he has now, like how godlike he is, because for the first bit of the movie, you're like, this guy's a fucking wreck. And then he's does the speech and he's on the dance floor and you're like, man, this guy can turn it on and off. Like, I can't pin this dude down. And then you're like, oh, my God, he's already in the he's, time. Loop. He's just like he's just like your mom. You can't can't pin him down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe my mom is in a time loop. That would actually make Maybe. a lot of things make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then um, I, I do like the fact that, you know, even though we now have this this primary character who knows everything that's going on is fully acquainted with everything and can be kind of lackadaisical about it because it's almost like the superhero origin story thing where you're like, how many mm. times do I have to watch fucking Peter Parker figure out that he can climb a wall? <laughs> and so you're kind of happy when, when the Avengers just is like, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's been it for a couple months. He's pretty good. <laughs> it's fine. Um, as much as I appreciate that, it is nice to have Kristen Moliati not realize what the hell's going on. Go and talk to him. And I love his laconic kind of, it's one of those infinite time loop scenarios that you may have heard of. Like, he's just totally <laughs> on board with it by now. And um, part of that is because uh, he's been in it for forever and he feels sort of bad. And he also already had to do this with one other person who is J.K. Simmons as Roy. Oh, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I love, I think, I think the moment when I was like, this movie has gone from from like good to very good or like now I am fully engaged is when he gets shot with an arrow and is just like pissed off about it. And he starts screaming for Roy. He's like, I know I smelled your cigar. 
And then he gets shot again and he says, you're a sick fuck, Roy. And I'm just like, whoa, there's so much happening already that I have no idea about. And I am on board for all of it. Yeah, I I love that's that's like that's a great escalating comic scene. Like yeah. Roy's introduction. Just just how much insanity can this movie pile upon this poor this poor very drunk woman <laughs> who has no idea what she's wandered into. Um yeah, I I just I love his continued presence throughout the movie. I think he's actually I think I think you know I think um, Miliati and Sandberg are both really good in this, and in, in terms of the comedy, but also in terms of the dramatics. But um, I really think that the like the ballast of this movie is J.K. Simmons' performance, especially his his big moment with Sandberg about an hour into the movie. That really gives the movie some weight that I think it would be completely lacking otherwise. Yeah, that that whole scene in the backyard when he he like talks yeah. about the growth that he's finally gone through and the hatred he's given away, and he's like, "Look at my kid; he's watering dog shit. It's beautiful." <laughs> <laughs> I I very much agree with you, uh, guys. I, I I don't know how much to push back yet. I don't, I don't want to ruin the ruin the fun with my caustic uh, sunshine. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I what I would. What I would say is I, I very much agree. I, I think that J.K. Simmons scene in the backyard is probably the best scene in the movie. But I think that I, I, I think that thematically that does tie together Roy's, you know, kind of most dangerous game thing <laughs> with with, <laughs> uh, with Niles' character. But I, I think that that in itself is also it shows me kind of here's what this film could have been. And I think that that scene in particular, I, I I think you guys are right that it is like an emotional crux, but I think it also shows how separated Sarah and Niles arc is to the point where I think she gets underserved. Um, like I, I think, you know, I, I rhetorically like the idea or excuse me, hypothetically like the idea that Sarah literally starts escaping every morning, that she potentially died, that she's potentially gone. But I think that she's almost gone too long. And then to make that arc specifically about her learning quantum physics felt to me like the movie had written itself into a corner and was more interested in Niles' arc. And, and like I'm, I'm happy to pick that apart, but that was something after really, after really, like when I woke up today, you know, I was like, oh, that movie's fun, and then I was like, okay, I got to talk about this tonight. <laughs> and the more and more I thought about those arcs, I felt that they were, um, sorry, they were uneven. And, and I, I, I'm curious what you guys would say to that. I don't totally disagree that they're uneven. I think Niles has obviously has the, the juicier arc or the bigger, we'll just say, we'll just say bigger. It's not sure. necessarily juicier, but it, it, <laughs> qua, you know, in terms of quantity, there is more of it. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. It does 
incline the movie more toward convention where the 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 function of the movie is to lead this uh this you know young man i don't actually know how old andy sandberger is or how old niles is really supposed to be because he complains about being old but he's not as old as june squibb so i'll call him young <laughs> so he it's the, the function of the movie is to lead this guy this slacker who has kind of given up on moving forward it, it's it's about getting him to move forward again which we've seen that kind of movie before it's 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 a it's a whole genre unto itself even within this this particular niche um but and and i guess you could also say that the kid like it there's convention in terms of sarah as well because she's not an idiot and she wants to escape and she has a goal and she you know she's she's like underserved in the sense that she doesn't get to live the lifetimes that Niles lives. And then also she's the one who is just kind of by default pushed into the role of being the person who fixes this existential fuck up that they're both caught in. That said, it didn't bother me too much that, that like that dynamic didn't bother me too much. I, I think that the performances are really key to that. I think uh, Miliati brings a lot to the, the comparatively little that she has um, and makes Sarah into somebody who's, you know, who's fleshed out and who we can really understand and engage with. And she, ha- you know, it, it's not like she has her life together either. You know, like sure. she's clearly trying to uh, not just get out of the, the, the loop because who wants to live the same day over and over again? She wants to get out of the loop because getting out of the loop means getting away from her own her own shit. Yeah, her own I mistake. I, yeah, exactly. I, and I think Miliati is able to convey a lot of that. Honestly, through through her eyeballs, she has really, really like again, like just size wise, they're massive, but they're also extremely <laughs> expressive. Like she has very big. Um, very big eyes, very, but very like articulate eyes. There's a lot that she's able to communicate through, through them that I don't, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people have that kind of, that, that like gift. I don't, I think that's a very difficult thing to do, but she's able to paint like a full character uh, that might, you know, someone else in that role might not have been able to do quite what she does in terms of fleshing this person out. And I think that's that's where the the discrepancy is made up. Yeah, because in in my mind, you know, I'm just going back to the concept of like the big arc versus the juicy arc. (laughs) I think that she has a smaller arc because she has to go from one extreme to another, whereas Andy Samberg's character of Niles is is like a picture of inertia. And yeah. so he is he's he's the kind of guy who's totally happy to be in a shitty situation as long as he doesn't have to do anything. Um and uh Sarah on the other hand is constantly waking up in this mistake and is unable to live with it because I think deep down she's a better person than he is and isn't yes. willing to let herself fall into this like, you know, existential traction 
that he's willing to put himself in. And so I actually, I, it made total sense to me that she would do what he wouldn't do, which is stop fucking around and actually attempt to do something to better her situation and then to like kind of pull him along with her. And, and so the concept of her going to this diner day in and day out and learning quantum physics, which I don't even know how long that must have taken her. I assume a while. It's, um, it's, it's, it's frankly insane, but it's a thing that I love about these time loop movies is that you can do something like that because you don't have to worry about like, Oh, well we got to put some aging up makeup on the characters. We got to change anything. It's like, no, she's going to look exactly the same. And we could say it's been 17 years and she's now a quantum physics expert. (laughs) And it also means that his slow discovery of his own feelings and what that means about himself isn't rushed because however long it took her to learn quantum physics enough to then be like, you know, make her little experiment and prove it to herself. Like it worked. And he, so he might've had like four years to sit on this and like really think about himself and her and everything that happened. So, you know, it's, is it a shortcut that the movie takes? Yeah, but like movies are shortcuts. That's why montages exist. Like that's, this is, this is cinema on a basic syntactical level. So I have no, I have no issues with that. I really liked it. I I think the, so there's, there's a few things I I think to consider in in response to you and Andy about this. I, I mean, I think one is that I really, didn't find the conflict with Abe uh, nearly as uh, resonating as the film seemed to want me it, it to be. I, and uh, obviously the dynamic is, you know, it's, it's an it's an awful situation that she slept with, uh, you know, her sister's uh, fiance. Mm-hmm. But I still think that she is the one who brings that through rather than the story. I, I think I think Andy's totally right about the eyes because I think that there are a few scenes that she brings a really just a uh, heavy melancholy to. Like I think about the scene mm-hmm. where they get arrested. Yeah. Um, which is this like, again, kind of a peek at a little more interesting movie to me. I, in a way, I almost think this movie is too soft on them. Like, in the beginning, at least, the sense of humor, whether you're talking about how acerbic Sarah is, the the wonderful bartender, <laughs> like, some of this, like, you know, pitch black comedy reminded me of something like uh, You're the Worst at the Best, which is, like, that is a movie where... You know, I, I suppose in the same way of something like It's Always Sunny, that category, these people are assholes and they're surrounded by assholes <laughs> or, or people who have been brought into that orbit and can't get out. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I think that I almost wish this movie went there more because I think that there are thematically interesting things within this conceit, you know, whether you're talking about realizing the heaviness of something like Sandberg as, you know, uh, has hooked up with Sarah millions of times, whether you're talking about the fact that pain is real, you know, when they get into that accident, I thought that was an interesting scene. But I think that ultimately it takes the path of, of least resistance. 
in isolating the two. Um, and, and so by the time, you know, we're supposed to feel his deep loneliness, um, it, it, it's right around the time the Roy scene happens. So I, I don't think it's necessarily just a matter of, you know, this is archetypal or not archetypal, but like fundamental storytelling. I, I, I think that this movie spends too much time, you know, almost <laughs> in uh, almost fucking around <laughs> appropriately. But I mean, like, that's, I, I, that's fun. Like, have we lost the sight of the things can be fun? I don't know. Like, I no, really liked the, the I, fucking arounds like the yeah, but it, it's also kind of this like frat boy humor. The fact that, you know, his his current girlfriend, Misty, who uh, that's uh, Meredith Hagner, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Meredith Hagner, like the fact that, you know, she's uh, he sees that she cheats on him. The, the fact that like, you know, it, it's just I feel like a lot of these characters are are kind of. Uh, a certain comedic props that distracts from the possible weight that they actually like bring up. As you're saying, I don't need this to be less of a comedy, but I don't, I don't see those, uh, those two aspects like coalescing. Well, is she any more of a comedic prop than like Ned Ryerson? Okay, why is that name familiar to From me? From Groundhog Brian? Day, Needle Nose Ned, Ned the oh. Head. Okay, um, like, like if you got a person and you're there for one day and they're going to repeat the same stuff over and over again, especially if the movie kind of takes us through the lens of Andy Samberg's character Niles. I mean, like, yeah, everyone's going to become a comedic prop because they're just someone doing the same shit over and over again, and pretty soon they're going to appear as though they have no actual agency like i'm curious if he ever tried to like if there was ever a moment when he was like maybe i should try to keep her from doing that and then realize that he actually didn't care about her and was just willing to let it happen like he's not he doesn't appear hurt he seems bored and there's a point when he says like you don't like me and she says i know but people still don't break up with me and that's like again that inertia like that these people would be stuck in loops even if they weren't stuck in a literal time loop just because of their their lack of desire to better themselves. And so in that way, Kristen Milioti's character of Sarah, who people constantly say is like a, a fuck up and a loser and an alcoholic, is the one person who's willing to like see her patterns and actually try to better herself. And she is able to get away because she's not willing to just live in the pattern and and pretend to be better than she is. Like she's willing to put in but work. I, but the thing I would say about Ned uh, Tobolowski is, um, yeah, that's who we're talking about, correct? Tobolowski. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, Tobolowski is that like he's not a glib caricature. I, I I think that people like Missy. I think some of the people at the wedding. I I think that those things like it, it almost like it had a whiff of like frat boy humor trying to be more woke to me, and it just it felt. Um, it, it just kind of reminded me that I don't feel like I know these characters very well beyond that basic conceit of Sandberg, you know, being a point of inertia and Miliati realizing that she needs to get out of that. I still don't feel like I know any of those characters very well. I think that the performances animate those characters, but I still... I, 
I don't know. I almost wish I was like, I, I feel like the way, maybe this is my general problem with time loop movies. Cause I have this a lot. Like I, I thought the third act of edge of tomorrow, for instance, was very frustrating. Um, you know, I, before, before we fall, I, or before I fall, I mentioned earlier, happy death day, I, I think does some weird stuff at the, like it, maybe this is just a, a general problem that I have with this elliptical structure and the need to just end it at a certain point. But again, I think it's little moments that I found more weighty peeking through that ultimately made me feel like, oh, I wish this wasn't quite so slight at the end, even if it was fun. Well, I think, I think there's, I think there are a lot of demands that, that I don't know. It, it feels like, it feels like there are some demands being put, on the movie that it, it just, it can't meet. You might, you might be, you might be wishing for a, another kind of movie that this movie just has no aspiration of being like everybody in this movie who is not Andy Samberg or Kristen Milioti is just going to look like a cardboard cutout in terms of how substantial they are, because they're on the outside of this, this scenario that, Andy Samberg, why do I keep calling them by the actors' names? Liz I don't Niles, know. I keep doing it too. It's okay. Yeah, because because they're our friends. We like Andy and Kristen. No, they're 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 on the outside of this 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 time bubble that sure. Niles and Sarah are stuck in. So they have no they have no opportunity to be anything more than whoever they were going to be on that day and whoever they were on that day that they're now reliving over and over and over and over again yeah the, like I, I, it's, I it's like i said like they're 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 automatons they don't they just they got to do the same thing and the only way that you see them in a new dynamic light is however they react to the chaos that is caused by these free radicals pinging around destroying shit right that like we 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 understand them only only through honestly through how niles engages with them like we only know anything about the one black guy in this movie because we learned sure. that Andy Samberg had sex with him. Like on on the subject of this movie trying to be woke, that is not a woke joke. It's hilarious. No, no, no. It's hilarious <laughs> that this guy gets so bored. He's like he tries to yeah. Why not? Why not try? Why not try uh, and bang a dude? Like, you only live once a hundred thousand times. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I I. I think what the movie does with those few moments, and I, I agree, I agree that there are not that this is not like a huge, a huge move, a hugely substantial movie. I, I think that it kind of peppers in the substance where it really needs to to uh, keep all the other elements that it really cares about, you know, threaded together appropriately. But I think that's I think those moments are really enough. Uh, to make the movie work um, the way that it wants to work. I mean, it feels like if we want to, if we want a movie that really considers everybody um, in a semi ensemble cast, we, we might not be talking about a 90 minute, uh, a 90 minute lonely Island comedy. We might be talking <laughs> sure. about something, something a little bit more, a little bit, you know, weightier, not necessarily not funny, but, something that maybe is two hours long yeah, and doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't, uh, operate the way that 
anything that the Lonely Island does. Right. It's, it's operates. A, to me, Michael, it almost is like, I don't know. John Wick shoots that guy in the head. But what are that guy's hopes and dreams? Like, what did what, what did he have for breakfast? Like, that's not his job in this in this movie. That his job is it, to is to do exactly what we expect him to do, which is to die by Keanu Reeves's hand. And the people if, in this movie, their job is to respond with shock and horror and then I, like some kind of complacency when Andy Samberg rips a bomb out of a wedding cake and then shoots it with a crossbow into the sky <laughs> before fighting Sarah as she's using a weird French accent with a hook for a hand. Like, I don't know. Maybe like, I'm implying something too far then, but are you suggesting that my frustration with the slightness is in bad faith? I just, I don't know if it's in bad faith. I think it's misdirected. It, it's, it's, it, it just feels like, why would you expect that from this movie? Like, why would you want that from this movie? And like, that's not what, I don't think the movie is failing at trying to give you something. I think the movie is doing precisely what it wants to do, which if you don't like it is fine. But like, there's no part of my mind that at some point I was like, oh, I really wish they'd flesh out Abe some more. You know, I really wish that like Misty would get a, a speech explaining something. I don't like it just I, I, I you know, in, in seeing a movie like this at this level with this kind of cast and this kind of conceit, I was just like, yeah, this is the Niles and Sarah show. And everyone in the background is Mayor Quimby and Mo Sislak. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't I, say that. I wouldn't say ahead, that you're, Andy, like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that you're arguing in bad faith or that you're doing anything in bad faith. I just, I think, I think you, you know, I, I mean, I can't really say what I can't like really speak for you. And yet that's almost very close to what I'm trying, what I'm doing. So I apologize for that. <laughs> just, just, to clar- yeah, I, yeah, just to clarify, I don't think, I don't think that you're like, you know, making any kind of bad faith argument about the movie at all. And, and, and like, to some extent, yes, I, I do understand the, 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 critique it's just to me it's just not what this movie really wants to be doing like it maybe maybe there's like a another time loop movie like this um that will someday happen that will achieve those things but that's going to be because it like sets out to do that and and is structured in a way to allow that to happen this is really just trying to be the lonely islands uh, update on Groundhog Day, and um, I think like the minor. In, I, I, I keep going back to the word invention, and then complaining that I'm using the word invention. <laughs> but I'll say invention. Like the idea, sure. the idea, the idea of paradise in in Palm Springs becoming hell to me is very fascinating. When you go back to uh, Groundhog Day, like the blueprint for these kinds of movies, because what what day is Bill Murray? reliving over and over again where is he reliving it like it sounds miserable like from the outset whereas this like the idea that beautiful palm palm springs could become like a prison and floating on a pizza slice inflatable thing in the pool could be punishment to me that's that's like that says a, like a lot of interesting things or at least it's an it's an interesting way to set up this the story that's been done. Right. Cause Bill Murray's in a, in a cold hellscape where he has to work with people that he doesn't particularly like. And Andy Samberg's in a place that is encouraging him to relax and get drunk. And like, he still finds a way to like hate it. <laughs> it's that, that to me is the, the ultimate 
like punishment. Yeah, it's like it's, hell- when 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 um when Bill Murray's character Phil says, you know, I, I once went to the Bahamas. I drank, you know, pina coladas. I met a woman. We made love like sea otters. Like that was a good day. Why couldn't I get that day to repeat over and over again? That's what Andy Samberg's getting, and he fucking hates it now. He once did crystal meth and wound it up in Equatorial Guiana, trying to get away. Like, if that had worked, his life would have been ruined. But it didn't matter because all he needed to do was get away from this beautiful day with all of these people at this wedding. That is a good point. That is probably something that does separate it. You know, if we're speaking of other elements that separate it from your average time loop, you know, it's it's not a terrible day that they keep reliving. Right, because you know, Happy it's Death not- Day, Before I Fall, I think Daybreak. These are all movies where it's like, on the day their Triangle. life fell apart. Yeah. On the day their wife was murdered and they were killed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he only has 24 hours to discover the mystery of his own murder. Wow. Ideally. Source code. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like fucking uh, live and live and let die. No, live, live, die, repeat, colon, edge of tomorrow. Um, They're all right. <laughs> slash all you need is kill. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's this guy. Much better title, too, yes, by the way. I agree. Yeah, I, I love that one. I um, Yeah, like it, that's that's like the best part about this is like, as we said, we, his laconic don't give a shit attitude, which, you know, we learn comes from, um, you know, having lived this day a million times. At first, it appears like, oh, this guy's just a guy who's drunk on vacation. But he's not. Um, and I also, I just, just cause I, for whatever reason thought about it, I love the detail that Roy lives in Irvine and that's why he doesn't come all the time. Cause it's a long drive. <laughs> it's not like, Oh, you know, Roy sometimes likes other stuff happens. It's like, yeah, sometimes he just doesn't feel like making the drive. And then that's paid off when Andy Samberg goes, uh, Niles goes and sees him and says mm-hmm. like, can you kill me one last time to save me the commute? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> killer awesome joke yeah it's a really good joke and he shoots him in the recycling bin perfect lovely i don't know you know it's um if an arrow punctures your heart maybe not instant instant but you know close enough you'd you'd wind down pretty good at it you (laughs) yeah you would wind down faster from a arrow to the heart than than my daughter wound down for bed tonight so (laughs) you you, yeah that sounded really morbid let's let's cut that anyway my daughter has been doing this thing she's she's finding new and newer and more uh conniving ways to keep from having to go to bed so like Mm. you know it was it used to be like i need this one specific toy and then she realized that I would say, you lay down, I'll go look for it. And then I would just wait until she fell asleep. <laughs> uh, unless it was unless it was her rainbow cat, because I knew she actually cared about rainbow cat. But if she was like, I need my mouse. And I'm like, you don't like that mouse. You just know that I don't know where that mouse is. <laughs> so, um, but now she's started to do this thing where she's like, um, I want hugs and kisses and I can't give her enough for her to be satisfied. So that's you. Uh, you never will be able to. Right, this and is existentially terrifying. <laughs> right, so she's like, "I need more," and I'm like, "I can't give you more." She's like, "Daddy, I need more hugs and kisses," and I'm like, "Oh my god, like Jesus, like what kind of a monster am I?" It's like, "All right, fine, you can have like three more." And then one night she said, "I need you to love me," and I was like, "What are you doing to my heart, you monster?" <laughs> 
counting hugs. Jeez. Father of the year here. <laughs> if I didn't do it, it would never stop. I like, you know, you got to put your foot down somewhere. I'm Irish. I shouldn't be giving hugs and kisses at all. <laughs> she's she's changing you already, man. I know. It's a uh, I don't know. I was I was trying to think of something sappy to say, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, you know what? I was trying to find something sappier to, sappy to to add to this, but that was that was the best that I got. So, sorry. My life changed I'm, the day I became a father. The day I went from a me to a we or some bullshit like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll just we'll just let this? that one. Just, yeah, <laughs> now we're stuck in a dad a dad dad talk loop forever. No, we need to, dad. We need to loop. blow up. We need to blow up a goat to stop it. Well, that's so that was an interesting part of this movie. <laughs> this is when buds. when Roy says, "I'm never going to see my little girl like grow up and walk down the aisle." Because, like, yeah, most parents are like, oh, they grow up so fast, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I wish they could stay this way forever. But, like, yeah, you, you the, the the joy of being a parent, in, in my mind anyway, is being able to see the ways in which my daughter is growing through my direction. So, uh, like, when, when someone showed up at the story one day and my daughter was able to fully explain to her how the boiler works. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, awesome. That's my, awesome. <laughs> My, it was this woman showed up and said like i've never been to a distillery before and my daughter pointed at the boiler said that heats up the water it goes through that pipe and it goes to the still and heats it and then the the, the i can't remember i think she said the water comes out there and pointed to the parrot where the the whiskey came out and the woman was just like wow your daughter more is no about distilling than i do and i was like yep <laughs> she's uh she's well versed this well, is her I, know job who's, I know who's inheriting the family business one of these one day. In exactly. The oh. <laughs> so Doing yeah, you proud already. I, I think that the movie does a lot of good in, in looking at things like that and, and really kind of leaning into it. And I love the fact that like his sphere of knowledge encompasses even that shitty dive bar that's like a like a couple miles away. Yeah. Like, you know, he points at Darla and says, like, you know, we're playing darts. And she's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, good to see Dale Dickey. And <laughs> I mean, not a super different role, but it's always good to see Dale Dickey. Yeah, I yeah, love Dale Dickey. Yeah. You, you could assume that maybe she's playing a, an earlier or a later version of her character from Leave No Trace. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like the connection. I like the fact that it he works. also... Uh, so... I also think this movie, like, it, I enjoy the use of the cutaways. I know that, like, cutaways have become a very easy shorthand comedy thing between, like, 30 Rock and How I Met Your Mother and everything. But I really quite enjoyed them in this movie just because it's, like, usually a time loop movie, you, you live in a montage. And so just being able to have, like, brief flashbacks felt like a good invention. <laughs> Even though I will now say that I'm on Crump's side, I don't think that invention is the right word I'm looking for. Yeah, there, you know, there's it's a little twist. I will like not a narrative twist, like a I will structure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out once we're done with the podcast, and then I'll just <laughs> we'll say, tweet a correction. God damn it! <laughs> I am, um, yeah, word. like so. So her asking who he hooked up with, and then you see him with with Dale Dickey, and you see him with uh, I think Jerry. Jerry's his name. Yeah, uh, yes. Gallagher or Howard. Yeah. No, so the the the, the funniest oh. part was when he talks about like having sex with her father. Uh, that's <laughs> and then he's that, like, "I'm lying." Yeah, yeah he's like, that, uh, "My 
Peter Gallagher's acting in that five second scene is incredible. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? That's just that's maybe one of that that might be like in my top five Peter Gallagher moments like all time. <laughs> and and Peter Gallagher has amazing moments yes. in everything. So yeah, that. Well, there's there were those cutaways. There's like the cut, yeah, like the cutaway to Jared getting it all in there when, when he and uh, and Niles have sex, and then yeah. there's the cutaway to to the fake, uh, like the the fake out with Howard, and then there's the there's also the cutaway to like Roy burning Niles alive in a swimming pool. Yeah, <laughs> so like there's he dives in the swimming pool. He's like, what's that smell? Because I guess he's filled it with gasoline or something. Yep. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, and getting like electrocuted and waterboarded. Yep. Uh, just the, the, the torture murder montage was a really good use of cutaway because I didn't really need like any more than we got for each instance of him of uh, Niles dying. And I just realized that I spelled Niles wrong, Niles' name wrong in my review <gasps> entirely. <sighs> Okay, so this is, this, this is crazy. I have, I, for whatever reason, like, I don't know if it's because I was trying to listen oh, to the, no. the TV really low one night while Cora was sleeping, or if, like, the air conditioner was on or something, or if, like, the fireworks were going on. But I one day turned captions on my TV, and I have not turned them off in, like, a month and a half. <laughs> and um, so everything I watch just has subtitles now. So I saw Niles with a Y, and I was like, that's weird. What? Why is it with a Y? Like I've seen Frasier. I know how Niles is spelled. <laughs> yeah. So now I feel. You know what? No, I don't feel stupid. Palm Springs was wrong. I'm right. This stupid millennial <laughs> with his dumb name. Um. Oh, another. You don't spell Niles with a Y. You spell it with an I. Jackass. Right. It's like Brian. Like you don't spell Brian with a Y. Oh God. Though, though idiots would have you uh, think differently. Um. I he just, would have extra refinement if it was N-I-L-E-S. And, and I'm not just saying that from Fraser. <laughs> just like Niles with the Y, you know, it's... it's yeah, he was set up from birth for failure. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> just like Brian's with a Y. Um, you know, Niles with an I would not have gotten trapped in a time loop, but Niles with a Y, totally. That's that's such a Niles with a Y thing to do. That is such a Niles with a Y thing to do. <laughs> Uh, I love also that he apparently one time got a hand job from the bartender and she admitted to hitting a hitchhiker <laughs> with her car, yes. which is just and then you see her like maybe two other times during the movie. And it's just like her deadpan, That's great. like dead eyes can't be bothered about anything. You're suddenly like, all right. Yeah, that is the type of person who has a dark secret in their past. I, I forgot the line, but it's something like, yes, you are right. You do bore me. <laughs> there, see, that's exactly it. There are just so many good, like, I, it's, it's so, it's, it's so unfair of me to, to like repeatedly describe this as a lonely Island movie because they did not write this unless Andy Sierra is like, like, and lonely island adjacent and i just don't know this but like everything about the comedy here just so so perfectly suits what that troupe does like this is a filter for them to do their thing but there are so many good just like cutting lines and they just they just snap off like they there's no there's no like like the movie isn't like 
ponderous or deliberate about it. It just, mm-hmm. it has, it's like, it times these, these things so well that you like might pause, like not, not just figuratively, but literally. So you can consider like, did that, did I just hear that? Like, did they just say that? And, and it's, I don't know. I, whatever shortcomings this movie might have for some people, like as a story, it is, like I think it is a very a very successful comedy in the sense that it's really funny, and I think that if a comedy can just be funny, that's probably the most important thing for the comedy to do. Because like if the comedy isn't isn't funny, what the fuck's the point? Right, and I I have I I have a lot of trouble with that recently. I feel like a lot of comedies like will hit this point where they're like, and now we are a drama for twenty minutes, and I'm just like, but mm. why? You know, Band-Aid did that like back in, oh gosh, when was that? Oh, about 15 years ago, I think now. I can't remember how Adam Peely? Yeah. Like that movie becomes like a straightforward, like a straight up drama in like the last half hour. Like everything about it that was fun just sort of stops. And it's like, well, someone throw a fucking pie or something. Like the I feel like Judd Apatow needs- movies do that a lot. And it was like, ooh, transgressive. Like, you know, but no, I just want to laugh god damn it please and it's not right it's not that comedies can't be serious in their own way but like don't be self-serious that's the worst the worst kind of serious right well like i i bring up i don't know if i bring it up a lot i know i've brought it up recently um super bad was fucking hilarious the whole way through but it still Mm -hmm. manages to deliver this super tender moving moment between these two boys when they finally like break down and tell each other that they're going to miss one another in college and they don't know what they're doing and that like they love each other, you know, but it's still fun. Like there's, it's still a comedic scene, but they're being funny while talking about this very real feeling that they have. And I, I just, I, I just don't like it when a movie's like, and now for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, the uh, score is going to go into a minor key and everyone's going to be sad and there might be like one visual gag. But other than that, we're sort of done with that. That's, that's how like the King of Staten Island went for again. Me. Judd Aptow. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's just, I mean, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the movie to bring up in conjunction with this, because like, these are the two major comedies that I can think of that have been released this season so far. Yeah. So like, yeah, you know, everyone, I don't know. I forget what I was going to say. Scratch that from the record. Like the movie, the movie is just, is like successful as a comedy. And, uh, I, like, I guess on the strength of that alone, I'd recommend it. Right. It's, it's funny. And it's just lucky that it also has other things on its mind and you can dig deeper into like the character motivations of at least these two characters. I will say that I have now looked up Andy Ciara and he is a staff writer on the lodge. Or no, Lodge yeah. 49. Lodge 49. Yeah. Lodge 49. Which great. makes all the sense in the world now. Interesting. Yeah. See, but I love Lodge 49. So he let me down. <laughs> well, he didn't have a, first of all, he's just a staff writer. Um, but second of all, you know, he's got a whole, he's got a whole uh, 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 series to help build out those kooky characters in that lodge. <laughs> you know not not 90 minutes I, yeah we should once again just this is a 90 minute movie it's a 90 minute comedy okay. that doesn't it's, make it better. Oh, you know what no i'm not saying that to like to, to rebuff anything that you've said i just want to tell <laughs> people also. out there that a 90 minute movie exists 
<laughs> and that you should be happy about that. And and like we all we all agree that like 80, 80 minute movies and ninety minute movies they they movies should either be that long or they should be like two and a half hours long. And really yeah. anything in between can fuck right off. Yeah, Except for King of Staten Island. That movie should have been 80 minutes long. <laughs> One thirty is the worst time limit for any movie. <laughs> two hours and 10 minutes, ten minutes is guaranteed to be way long. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, you could definitely do a little bit of trimming, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I am. There was the uh, Scott Weinberg on Twitter the other night was like talking about that. Just like, oh, Palm Springs is 90 minutes. Like, can we talk about how great the 90 minute movie is? And he asked um, people to send in. Yeah. Between Palm Springs and Greyhound, I say, welcome back to the damn good 90 minute movie. And then he said, name other recent movies that clock in at under 100 minutes. Official running times do include the credits. And I, you know, talked about Enemy, Crawl, Ready or Not, The Shallows. Like, just the vast tonight. Yeah, the vast tonight. That was another. I didn't even think of that. That well, the vast tonight felt like it was. Let's all let's agree. It was. It felt like it was ten hours long. But (laughs) I, I, I I squealed when I heard when I when I found out that Greyhound is only ninety minutes. Because that like you you sell that movie to me on premise alone. I assume it's going to be like an hour and forty five to two hours, which. You know, I'm not against that, but it is hard to sneak those 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 longer run times in when you have a baby. So yeah. I really like the the 90 minute movie or the super long movie because then you can just break it up into a mini series. <laughs> Let so, me tell you about Out One. <laughs> <laughs> there was one night after I put Core to bed and I was like, I want to watch a movie. What do I want to watch? Oh, I want to watch Blade Runner 2049. And then it's like midnight, and I'm like, Why did I do this? What was I thinking? <laughs> I fell asleep watching Blade Runner 49. It was like for maybe 30 it's seconds. Like <laughs> but it, yeah, but it put, it just knocked me. Granted, it was like a very, very late showing. Yeah. But uh, it's also a, a thunderously boring movie. Unlike well, Palm Springs. Disagree. Which is a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, Andy, we're, we, you're welcome back. <laughs> yes, come and talk ah, with us about Dune, which I'm sure everyone will be very uh-huh. calm about. Oh. I want theaters to stay closed for the rest of the year just so I don't have to go see that movie. I am. This Dune is one of those things where I'm like, I really like the movies of Denis Villeneuve. And I, I have such a black hole of negative interest in the property of Dune that I can't even get interested in it with that cast and that director. I'm just like, these guys could do. I don't know, the Lorax, and I'd be like, fuck yeah, the Lorax, best picture of the year. Because at least I sort of like the Lorax still. But I'm just like, Dune, the desert with the bugs and the spice? Like, what it, why do we keep trying to make this a thing? Right. We made the, we did the, the sci fi, you know, miniseries was really good. Then there's the David Lynch movie, which is David Lynch. Like, <laughs> The thing, yeah, you know what? I'd be more interested in seeing this cast and that director do the Lorax because that's you're throwing me for a loop. That's a real curveball. Bring it on! But you know, so I, talking about self seriousness, there's like <laughs> everything about the Dune, like 
advertising just sound like it just it just strikes me it's just pictures so far right have i missed something no you you haven't missed anything but like there's a definite self-serious fart sniffing vibe (laughs) that i get but that's dune right like isn't sort of this is the thing i don't know anything about dune like it doesn't it's not a pulp novel right it's like a weighty tome it is a it is a weighty tome, but at the same time, there are also giant sandworms and spice melange and cool ass like weird space martial arts shit. I don't. It's been a long time since I've read this book or seen that miniseries, so yeah. I'm probably wrong. But anyways, so I think that uh, Charlotte Rampling should be the Onceler and Javier Bardem should be the Lorex. <laughs> And Oscar Isaac should be a barbalute in its barbalute suit. And I think Jason Momoa should be a swami swan. And then Timothy Chalamet with his hair should be a truffle a tree. How did you, uh, you know what, never mind. How did I I what? Oh my God. How did you just like rattle those off? Do you think I, I, I have a four-year-old? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Do you know how many times I've how had many? to read the Lorax recently? <laughs> what, what is well, Doctor Seuss's equivalent of a tome? <laughs> Probably Honestly, the butter the, the, battle. Either that or the sleep book, which we have tried to read to our daughter, and she has not. She we have not gotten through it with her because she just is not having it. She's like, fuck this. This is too long. And the pages are made of paper and he won't let me touch them or put them in my mouth. No, no. Cultural vegetables you're trying to give. Mm, We're, we're, you know, don't, don't. Okay. I don't think that my wife would listen to this podcast, but, but baby watched a big chunk of Tokyo Olympiad with me. So yeah. My daughter watched uh, The Handmaiden with me. That's weird. I didn't know what it was about. I just knew it was a Korean film. It was Park. Come on. It was what? Oh, it was Park. Yeah, that's a good point. So I I did cover, like, okay, so it was 2016. So she was less than one year old. So, like, she didn't, like, sit and chill with me. It was more like I'm holding her and feeding her a bottle. And I'm just like... I really hope that she's not forming memories yet. And then I think like during the more intense sex scenes, I like turned her away from the TV, but like we watched Deadwood together. You know, there was, there was a point before like one and a half where I was like, she's probably fine. You know, I can't judge too much. Cause when, when our daughter was on her Billy blanket, cause you know, for her, um, she had some jaundice. So we had her on a Billy blanket, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, basically like it like uh like a tanning like an open tanning bed that you put the baby on and they have to stay on it for basically a whole day so that they can have their like the jaundice blasted out of them by the the thing so anyways we were doing this in shifts and on my shift while baby slept on the billy blanket peacefully i watched the nightingale <laughs> <laughs> Bad idea for so many reasons, none of them having to do with her being conscious for it because she was asleep. <laughs> but yeah, don't I'm not going to judge. Yeah, no, I I did not watch The Nightingale with my daughter, who by that point would have been like, Daddy, what's happening? 
Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain this to you. So this is a funny Daddy, story. What are Benway balls? <laughs> as um as as we wrap up here and we were talking about our children and media, I um I I was sitting with Cora and I was like, what do you want to watch? She's like, I don't know. And then she said that enough times where I was like, good, I'm choosing something. And I put on classic era Simpsons. And my ex nice. happened to be here that day and she's like, is this like appropriate for her? And I was like, this is a show about a nuclear family who go to church every <laughs> Sunday and every episode ends with them overcoming their issues by reaffirming their love for one another. I will never understand why the Simpsons had this cultural cachet of being subversive. It is the most heteronormative conservative show that I can think of. <laughs> Homer's also a bad dad. <laughs> He's a bad dad, but like it, he always comes to the realization of his deficiencies and then apologizes for them. Like I watched the episode uh, with Lisa's substitute teacher. Yeah. And I'm like with Dustin Hoffman, right? Yeah. Is that the one? And I was just mm-hmm. like, this is a beautiful show. Like the entire final act of this episode is Homer going to his children individually Solving their problems and then feeling very proud and fulfilled for how good that he was after he had been a failure. Like, this is... I don't get it. Just because Bart Simpson says hell every now and then? I don't know. Eat my shorts is pretty... uh, That's true. That could have toppled the dynasty. Salacious. (laughs) Telling me not to have a cow? Sir, this is America. I can have a cow if I would like to. I thought of this and I want to ruin both of your nights. Yeah. Uh, I just thought, what if Inner Me Too made a time loop movie? Oh, I hate you so much. (laughs) That's it. I'm getting off this call. A Benedictine (laughs) monk tortured to death for heresy has to relive the same day over and over again. He's locked Uh. in a stone cell and doesn't talk to anyone. Emmanuel well, Lubezki films it. Bird. It's three hours and 26 minutes long. It wins seven uh, Oscars. Who, Javier who Bardem. What? People who make movies don't listen to this podcast, do they? Because if they do, that movie's getting made. I and hope it's going to be on you. <laughs> this is not the first time. <laughs> what manner of God would allow this to happen to a man? <laughs> Yikes. That's the only line of dialogue in the entire movie, by the way. Then though then again, three this is a three hour, three and a half hour movie you're talking about. So that is that is prime chunking out viewing in between baby naps. So Oh yeah, maybe it's maybe it's not a movie, maybe it's an HBO Max limited series event. Nope, never mind. I'm out I'm I'm not interested in all over again. (laughs) I'm even less interested than I was before. Oh my god! Um, wow. Anyway, <laughs> in your I'm glad we're talking about this Palm Springs movie. <laughs> yes, I was. As I said, we we are clearly wrapping up. Are there? Okay, so I just the last thing I'll say about Palm Springs. They see those dinosaurs, and I was like, if I don't have someone talk about the fact that they saw fucking dinosaurs before this movie ends, I'm gonna lose my shit. Because I was like, it could be that They're like the shrooms. times are like timelines are colliding or something. But yeah, they were just on shrooms. And Andy Samberg was like, remember when we saw the dinosaurs? And I was like, that's enough for me. Well, will we see them again at the end? And no one is on shrooms then. 
Well, speak mm. for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me say, no one in the movie <laughs> is on shrooms. Yes. <sighs> Anyways. All right. I also like the little post-credits thing where we find out that J.K. Simmons is going to be able to get out, too. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm wondering what happens to Roy when he realizes he can get out because like it took this time loop for him to be okay with his family again, and if he can move forward, because like maybe maybe that maybe I'm wrong, but I like maybe my recollection is false, but it sounded to me like he was maybe dissatisfied with being with with his life prior to this. Yeah, and then the time loop and and yeah. being in the hospital and not being allowed to go to sleep. Or die. Yes. So, yeah. like, what? What if? What if the time loop was the only thing keeping him, you know, happy with that life? What if? What if breaking the time loop just ruins that bond that he's created with this? Eh, probably not. It's probably fine. It's a I assume, I, he'll keep his his memories of the time loop, so he gets to have that character building. And I would assume that now he's like, because he says, like, I already brought it up. The uh, I, I'm never going to get to see my little girl walk down the aisle. You know, so I think that he's I think that at least now he is more optimistic about the future instead of just how he was, which was indeed. Yeah. So did it better. Looking forward to the sequel. It is all about Roy. It's called one Roy at a time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Is that better or worse than my injury to Benedictine monk torture and murder story? That's way better. Okay. That's the one I'll pitch first. There you go. Cool. Um, so any final thoughts on this movie before we wrap it up? I think I put it all out there on, on the, on the, uh, on the court and, uh, gave it a hundred percent. So <laughs> I just want to thank God. I want to thank my teammates. <laughs> <laughs> and especially God. I'll yes. thank God twice. God and Jesus. Um, Without you, I am nothing. Not the Holy Spirit, though. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, like that, like the Holy Spirit creeps me. Total hanger on, me. you know, just <laughs> unnecessary. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's our little bit of heresy for this episode. <laughs> Let me remind everyone uh, that we can be found on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show. Go to patreon.com to give us your money. And of course, uh, don't forget that you can get a free 30 day subscription to movie by going to MUBI.com slash film stage, where you can watch all the episodes about one as well as everything else that we talked about. So look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? We are talking about relic next week. And, uh, I can announce that we are talking with, the person who was my who used to be the host amanda waltz yes. so she'll be back for one week and mm. sorry i'm still gonna be here <laughs> for one week only the original lineup actually the are original sure? lineup was was me and uh danny and nick so are, are oh. you sure you're gonna be talking about relic and not palm springs again <laughs> oh, no no it's uh depends wow. i guess <laughs> wow that that well, because of the time that went down like a lead balloon. All right. Never well, mind. I was I was thinking, <laughs> like, is it too late to bring up the fact that Bill Graham isn't here because he watched the wrong movie? And maybe <laughs> maybe we will talk about Palm Springs again, because maybe he'll have watched it by then. <sighs> it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late for now. 
That's a 30 Rock reference for everyone out there. Anyway, next week we will be talking about Relic. Um, and then after that, I don't know what we're talking about. I'm sure we will figure it out. So that's it. Um, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. We will begin with our guest, Andy Crump. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at A-G-R-A-C-R-U. And you can find all of my collected writing at my blog, agcrump.wordpress.com. Woo! Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell uh, Letterbox. Uh, as I had announced, uh, the intermission episode with Kyle Turner, where we talk about original cast album Company, will be out this week. We had a short intermission, guys. Um, and <laughs> see, I speaking of things that went down like a lead balloon, I was trying to make you feel better, Andy. Uh, <laughs> well, it, and it, it worked. <laughs> I'm happy to help. His was a failure. And Yours was a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, me and Yargos, uh, Yargos Lanthimos, apparently. Mm. Uh, the difference between Hurricane Katrina wiping out New Orleans and the Dresden bombing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, I, speaking, of Jesus, speaking of Christ, I wrote about a movie that believes there is no God called The Painted Bird, which is about a, uh, a young boy who is subjected to a litany of atrocities by uh, well-known actors like Stellan Skarsgård, Harry Keitel, and Julian Sands. It's also nearly three hours in black and white and regularly compared to Solo. Enjoy. <laughs> I had a blog for a while at the, the beginning of my time on the internet called Oh Shit, It's Julian Sands. <laughs> and it would, just, it would just be anytime I saw Julian Sands in a movie, I'd take a screen cap and post it. With the written like text over it that said, "Oh shit, it's Julian Sands." <laughs> I don't remember why, but so I'm happy to hear these. Yeah, look for it. I'm sure there were like six posts on it. It was back in I'm like gonna, yeah. the Tumblr days where you just like make a Tumblr because you were bored. <clears throat> I could do a letterbox list. I could do a letterbox list that's just called "Oh shit, it's Julian Sands." Oh, this is amazing. Did you find it? I did. What? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, now I have to now I have to see if I can find it. Oh yeah. It's oh shit, it's Julian Sands dash blog dot tumblr dot com. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's only one page. But, but what a page it is. I'm trying so hard not to laugh. And like, yeah, I'm trying not to laugh loudly through my house right now. But oh, that's oh, amazing. It's Julian Sands. Yeah, I did this apparently in 2011. What is Warlock and what is this amazing outfit he's wearing? Warlock is he is a witch from like the Salem witch trial. Well, a warlock from like the Salem witch trial days. And he is trying to do something and like his introduction is him murdering a child is it good i don't remember um i think (laughs) it's i think it's exactly what you'd expect from julian sands playing a warlock i feel like it's worth a watch (laughs) anyway so that's endorsement (laughs) so that's uh that's oh shit it's julian sands (laughs) this (laughs) title 
is one is never quite prepared for Julian Sands to make an appearance. Great. This is going to become the most popular thing that I've ever done. This is stupid (laughs) Tumblr from nine years ago. Fuck the hand sanitizer. It's all about Julian Sands. Yep. That is how you will get America through the pandemic. We can all agree that it's kind of shocking whenever Julian Sands shows up. Michael, you should send me a screen cap from this movie so that I can add it to Oh Shit, It's Julian Sands. I'll try to find something where he's not beating the kid. If I can remember the login information for Oh Shit, It's Julian Sands. Anyway, uh, so that's a fun little diversion that we had. Hopefully everyone goes and Googles, oh shit, it's Julian Sands. And you enjoy that. Um, Michael, were you done plugging your plugs? I'm done plugging my plugs. Okay, great. As for me, um, I can be found at my personal site, brianjrowan.com. I'm actually going to have a uh, a written review up on the film stage at some point, I think in early J- August. So look forward to that. <laughs> oh, early joggers. <laughs> I was going to say, you have no idea when this movie's coming out. <laughs> it's, um, it's, I'm going to be, uh, I can say it. I'm going to be reviewing the tax collector, um, written oh, and directed by David Ayer. What? Is that the, no, Schreger? that's the card counter. Yeah. You're talking, he's talking about the David Ayer movie. Yeah. Oh, with Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I've I've actually started catching up on some of my David Ayer blind spots, uh, just so that I can uh, have better context. Because David Ayer is a is a director who I have liked many of his movies um, as either a writer or a director. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if we can't come up with something for the week after next, we should talk about Fury. There you go. I think Fury is a legitimately great movie. That's the sound of Michael deflating. Yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I just, I, I don't know. A couple weeks, you never know how sick I'm going to be or, you know. I'm going to I'm just spring it on you. We're going to be like, we're ready to talk about Tenet. Yay, the quarantine is over. And then we're going to get on the mic and I'm going to say, we're not talking about Tenet. We're only talking about Fury. Analysts are saying Tenet has been is going to be delayed again this well, week. Well, yes, of course. Duh. Yeah. Like, at at some point, the this the the global box office is going to demand that things just don't get released in America. I would like to see Saint Maud on VOD. That that'd be I, cool. Yeah, I want to see Saint Maud. A two four movie that has Catholic imagery in it. Put it in my veins. Oh no, it's A two four. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not excited anymore. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, uh, there goes Michael Slidell hating things that people like again. His anhedonia on full display, as it has been but through most of the They put out a episodes. Kelly Reichert movie, so I have to like them for this month only. <laughs> and that is First and Cow. It's, and it's a good one. Which we will probably talk about at some point. You should watch it before Second and Third Cow come out. <laughs> so yeah, alright, I'm done. Anyways. <laughs> Anyway, thefilmstage.com where you can find my writing in all these episodes and uh, yeah, my uh, Twitter, everything, Instagram, whatever is at Brian J. Rowan. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much and tune in next time. Oh,